Hi, Pratham here uh, from Capcom and Cricket Cast. I'm joined by my mate Rohan, and today we wanted to share our thoughts regarding the fourth Ashes Test uh, between Australia and England at the Sydney Cricket Ground. And before we get started talking about the proceedings of the match itself, uh, I think it's it's fairly important to cast an eye on the pitch because. Um, Keeping in par with the tradition set during the course of the series, uh, we've seen surfaces that have offered more life than was traditionally attributed to um, wickets in Australia, and this was very much the case for this particular match. Um, we... yeah, I really like the wicket. Yeah, honestly, it's something that I don't normally say about the SCG because historically it's just kind of been kind of bad in recent years. Yeah, it's just been a flat pancake, really, right? Um, yeah, that, that insults the Fro Kotla by calling itself a flat pancake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's probably got more bounce than the Fro Kotla, but less spin, right? So, yeah. you know, it's not... It, but yeah, it, it's been a wicket that has been pretty good to bat on and hasn't deteriorated much and, and just not been particularly helpful to the bowlers, but... Um, After all, India drew a match here with a batsman without a back and a batsman without a leg. So it's not like it, 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 so we're not exaggerating by saying it was pretty tame in recent in the recent past. Yes, yes. But it's changed for this particular test match. Um and, and, and props on them because uh the issues with the lack of pace and bounce um have sort of been resolved with the surface that we got to see for this particular test match, right? There was some coarse green grass that was that had been left on the wicket. Um, and it sort of helped it to bind together and gave it a pretty good bounce um, and a really reasonable pace, right? So the fast bowlers were able to bend, if they bent that back, they were easily able to get, you know, the ball to sail over the, yeah. the keeper's head, right? So that even, really even, good... even until day five, there were, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's like really good to see. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And, and I think it was, um, it, it did have its problems, right? Like, um, you know, for instance, the, the, the grass that was kept on it was tufty in places, which meant that you saw inconsistent bounce on the first day itself, yeah. right? Because um, some of the patches that were green, you know, the ball bounced a little bit more. Somewhere they were bare, didn't bounce as much. So there, there was that. You, you generally don't like seeing that much inconsistent bounce on the first day itself. But it wasn't to the point where it was dangerous, which is a good thing, and, and it didn't really deteriorate massively over the course of the match. Now, that did have, you know, in saying that, there was another issue, which um, is is interesting to note. You know, traditionally, the, the, the story of the reputation of the SCG has been is that it's a wicket that's assisted spinners, because it turns a bit there. Um, and it didn't really tone that much during the game. It, it it got it toned a little bit more as the game went on, but it didn't really deteriorate or crumble um, as you would expect on an SCG pitch uh, on day five. Um, and so yeah. that was a little bit disappointing. But and and it was a little, a little bit weird too because the wicket was left drier right under the surface by the curator. He admitted it as much after the match. But on the you know the plus side of it it did last the five days right yes yeah. rain happened but it lasted the five days and we, we got to see result almost almost decided at the very last ball of the match so you know props to that but yeah all in all a pretty good pitch um and it really set up a very nice contest
a series where things have been one-sided it, it was probably looking like it was going to be the best bet for England to you know come back and land a knockout bunch of their own for, for England to, to have a chance at potentially winning or even as they did drawing the match yeah um, and as you said they 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 finally started to deliver to some extent some knockout punches right uh, but it didn't start out well for them to be honest um, Anderson and Broad got the new ball and it feels like it's a broken record at this point Rowan you and me when we talk about it but they again wasted the new ball uh, when it really mattered yeah. in that first session on that first you know that first day because in the case of like Jimmy he bowled a little bit too wide and too back of a length in his deliveries right which is um, which is sort of a broken record for Jimmy which he should know that he should do by this point he literally responded to criticism often like in just the match before right like yeah. he saw that it was more effective but I, I also just saying that this is like his what fifth tour to Australia fourth fifth tour something like that yeah it it's just it's disappointing because he he, yeah. he clearly has seen enough indications to know what sort of land to bowl on the surface but He's just not been able to consistently do it or show an inkling to do it uh, consistently enough, right? Um, but honestly, the, probably the even bigger disappointment, and I know it's going to seem odd for our, our, our viewers, right? Um, uh, regarding, you know, the match, because Broad ended up taking a fight with him, right? Um, he yeah. ended up actually doing pretty well. But in, in the end, um, statistically, but he also wasted that new ball and his disappointments were probably even worse than Jimmy's because Broad was assigned in the you know in the team to do one job really to impose himself on the two left-handers in Harris and and even more so in particular Warner right yeah. um, and he the, the, the failure to impose himself on, on the match situation regarding that was really disappointing right um, absolutely first up because the thing is, right, um, the context behind it being uh, was that the part of the build-up of the series, right, in Australia came off the back of that previous Ashes series in England, 2019. And yeah. Broad basically got Warner out for fun in that series. He basically just put the ball near enough to stumps that David Warner would just play at every ball and just nick or yeah, drive just, on or yeah, just miss. Yeah, just take it away just a tad bit consistently, bowl that channel around the wicket, right? You come around the wicket to the left-hander in Warner yeah. and basically just dismiss him non-stop. Um, and he tried it this time and he actually got Warner's wicket, but by the time he did that, Warner had sort of pushed on to the 30 and he'd yeah. really gotten Australia off to a pretty good start. Um, yeah, they were, they were on solid solid ground by that point. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and, and so again... One for 51 is a good... Good point. Yeah, if you're getting a 50-run stand, that's pretty, generally a pretty decent partnership start to come with. And again, what's frustrating is, I mean, he he ended up getting his wicket what in the 20th over, right? So again, already yeah. start established. But what's really disappointing with Broad and why it sort of rankles a little bit, right, as a neutral observer, is because the cause of him failing. Um, to get Warner's wicket earlier on in the piece was very similar to the cause of him failing to get Warner's wicket earlier on in the piece in Adelaide um, yeah. on a wicket which also was relatively bouncy. Um, and, and this is, I, I do want to bring this up because we have been saying this, everyone in, who, who covers the Ashes has been saying this non-stop since pretty much the first step, uh, first test. 
is that England aren't pitching enough far enough. They aren't executing the fields and their plans. And yeah. Yeah, and it was very much the same here. Um, and in terms of execution, you brought the point up. The thing that been both in Adelaide and here at the SEG Broadfield do consistently well enough is to not stray onto the pads. He bowled too many deliveries um, around middle and leg um, and it allowed Warner to clip him easily. And so Warner wasn't really forced to worry about or have any sort of pressure about nicking much behind the slips from that line. Because, you know, if it's a ball at leg stump, you're not going to edge that most of the time. You know, you, um, yeah, and if you do edge it, it's probably just one of those balls that you're going to get out to one way or the other. Yeah, it would take a real jaffa to edge it and get go to first slip, right? So, I mean, it's just not a, a, a it wasn't a good enough. He, di- he didn't get the ball in the right place enough and to the field yeah. that was set. And they paid a little bit for it, but what really sort of made them pay a little bit later once him and Harris departed was a, a pretty solid partnership between Baja and Smith, right? Because both of those two actually did do really well uh, after a rain-affected day where Australia did lose three wickets um, first up, even though they had scored about 120. They were a bit of a precarious position. And those two came out um, on the second day and really consolidated that position um, into a you know, a match-winning position, really, or, or at least a position where they couldn't lose. Um, and, yeah. you know, Smith, he scored a really good 60. Again, um, his defensive technique's very good. He he ran between well, the wickets well, I thought. In a sense, it looked almost like it was vintage Steve Smith, but it just sort of wasn't, because vintage Steve Smith would turn that 50 into 100. Yeah, and that has been an issue in recent times. He hasn't been able to convert into enough centuries in these last couple of years. Uh, but it's it's sort of like Kohli, right? Like, he's he's too good of a batsman to, you know, not yeah, he, get them. What's the saying? You can't keep a good man down, right? Yeah. And, and, and Smith clearly did do his piece here. But the start of the day was easily was Man Quadra. Um, yeah. uh, start of the match, really. Yeah, well, he was the man of the match, right? <laughs> but... Um, his knock in the first innings, uh, I'd argue, was probably better than the, the one in the second innings, even though the second innings, yeah. innings we'll get to it. Um, was the second probably... innings was much more fun to watch because yeah. it's just like, yeah, I'm just going to hit every ball. But in the yeah. first innings, it was it was the classic Usman Kwaja sort of gritty, but not overly so kind of performance. Yeah, and I'd say what was impressive about it, right, was really his temper, right? That's yeah. what's really worth commending because he... Again, as we mentioned, guys, the pitch was the surface was a bit patchy and bouncy in places, so it would rear up. Um, even Anderson, at the very first ball of the match, actually got it to rear up against Warner, and, and, and that happened probably 10, 12 times during Quadra's innings, and it hit him in the, the you know the gloves or hit him in, on the body and so forth from just good good length delivery, short just short of a length delivery as well, right? So we're talking about you know a surface that's not necessarily the most reliable for a batsman. But yeah. he took those wraps and he continued on pretty undeterred. He looked very convincing. He didn't lose any sort of composure. And what I loved about it was the next time he saw a delivery that was short of the length that came out, he often punished it with a... Can we talk about Jack Leach? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna, I was getting to it, right? Because yeah. there is an argument that as good as Quadra and, and Smith played, they could have probably been better if not... Or they could have probably been stopped in the tracks if 
Leech was actually given a decent feel for once, but I think we've said that constantly. Yeah, this this the, the, this first innings was basically everything England has done wrong in the series to date, yeah. in every like every minute way. Yeah, and it was obvious with Leach, right? Because again, Leach's use of by Joe Root on that in that first English innings, right? Really beggared belief and was incredibly short-sighted and this, negative. It, it made no sense in line, length, or field position or position in the match. It just it, it almost felt like Joe Root has Jack Leach in the side and doesn't know what to do with the spinner. Yeah, and 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 specifically, which know, makes no sense, by the way, because Jack, because Joe Root is like a half decent spinner. Yeah, you'd think that you know, especially because he loves bowling spin. It seems, um, you know, as a, as he, you would think that he would try to set better, better fields for Leach, but clearly that's not been the case. And, and the most obvious example of this was in this match, right? Because you look at when Leach was brought on in that set, that first innings of Australia in the on the second day of early on, right? Which is, you know, okay. He Good idea, him bring him in. Get him, yeah, get early him on, fifty-fourth over, right? So trio yeah. was at pass, right? You know, pretty, pretty decent time, and it made sense also in the sense that you know Steve Smith and Usman Khwaja on that start of day two, right, were new to the crease, right? So it was like, okay, you know, there's some sort of a, a aggressive thing, um, but then you saw the field and you're like, oh, okay, this is the intention because what he did was. Um, for the left-hander was one quarter, right? He set four men <laughs> onto the leg side boundary um, and instructed Leach to bowl a line on or even outside leg stump with no leg slip, but a slip, which... And you know what the best part of this is, Pratham? The day before, on uh, on the comment, I think it was on BT Sport or um, or whatever, yeah. they, had a, they had a segment where they were talking about how do you set fields? How do you both spin as a youngster? And how do you set fields for spin as a youngster? Yeah, and uh, I remember Morty was on that, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> they were both like, okay, what you do is you get a couple of players in because the job of a spinner is to do what, Pratham? Take wickets. <laughs> what is the second job of the spinner? To control the flow of the game. Okay, how do you do that? You set fields that actually allow them to do that. <laughs> Which is to set somewhat of an attacking field initially, and building pressure, right? Yes. And you don't you don't put players deep on the boundary because they're scared of giving up runs. And you, you ex- problem? No, you don't. And you especially don't give tell your main frontline spinner to be like, "Hey, let me bowl deliveries where it is physically impossible with the field that I've set for you to get a wicket." <laughs> We talked about Quadra already, how that's ridiculous because if a left arm orthodox spinner like Leach, right, is turning it into Quadra, right, and he's bowling on leg stump, it is literally impossible for him to get uh, the left hander with the field that we've set that we talked yeah, about. You're, you're not going to get a wicket. You're not going to get. You're not going to get an LBW. You're not going to get a bowl. You're not going to get an edge slip, right? And it basically allowed Quadra to easily release pressure by just, you know, taking a single, right, rotating the strike and hitting it to any one of those fielders in the deep without really even trying. But you look at Smith's field, right? Now, in the India series, Ashwin and Jadeja, right? They bowled to fields which were, you know, containing, were attacking in a sense, right? They, they had yeah. those fielders. They bowled on the stumps, but it wasn't, I don't know how best to put it. It wasn't, it wasn't a defensive attempt to bowl on this, bowl to the stumps. It was, yeah, because- okay, let's push him back on the back foot. And then also at the same time, take away the back foot shot. 
Yeah, to, to, or the the defense didn't feel less confident attacking spin, uh, not being allowed to clip and so forth. It was it was very constrictive bowling, right? But you look at this field here, the separately in this situation, right? Um, for from uh, you know Le that Leach was given to tackle Smith, right? Yeah. Was the, the architect, one of the architects of that Indian bowling strategy by the spinners. He's given to Smith, right? Leach is given a spread out field. Um, on the offside, you have a deep Which is long. always a bad idea to see Smith. <laughs> yeah, but especially a bad idea, right? When you have a deep long off, right? Um, and you're instructing your spinner to bowl a middle stump to middle to off line, right? Because what essentially all that Smith had to do, right? Was he just had to push the ball in the vacant gap where mid off was lying, right? Um, yeah. And he was easily able to take singles. Single. If there's an easy single available yeah. from the line that you're bowling, we're by keeping a fielder out in the deep in either mid off or mid on, right? Then it's probably not a very good field. Um, and we right. saw that. And and the reason why it's important again, guys, is because from a position of 143, which Australia were in, where yeah, they're sli slightly on top, but not extensively. So no, the, the well, it was three for 117, and then you know that's not a that's not an impossible position to 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 seize back momentum of the match. Yeah, and by Leach, by the time Leach came in, it was uh, I think it was like three, four, one hundred and forty. Yeah. But the point being, right, you you're still technically in the game. You know, a couple of wickets, and, and suddenly Australia are in trouble. You can dismiss them under three hundred. You know, you might have a, a shot here. But this really released the pressure that you know the Pacers were like putting on them, like Wood and, and so forth. They actually did bowl well. Um, and so you essentially got into a situation where you really let Australia off the hook um, and they were able to capitalize because they have good pass. The other thing I will say, um, it did come, as we said, a little too, it was a little too late, but Broad did improve um, on that second day. He, he got the ball to pitch up, pitched up. Yeah, more. especially after the second new ball, I, I think um, when he, he was able to pitch the ball up, he trusted that he was, that he would, he wouldn't get hit for too many runs. Still got hit, but not that bad. Yeah, and he finished up with a five-wicket haul, um, which I, I think his stats in in, in 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 that context were fair. He, you know, messed up the first time, then he came back in, and he was the main wicket-taking threat. Um, yeah, apart from Wood uh, going on with this, right? Um, but yeah, Australia, you know, pretty comfortably in the end, um, finishing. Uh, their their innings of note, right, with um, a pretty good score, uh, declaring at 416 odd um, because of the time of the rain. They wanted to enforce. They wanted to be in a position where they could bowl out England twice. So they did declare a little bit earlier in the piece, only 134 overs, but it yeah. made sense in the context of that. But then you come to England's innings, um, and initially it seems same old, same old, right? Because uh, uh, Let's just say it's not exactly um, the greatest of start for them. Um, Hamid, again, basically goes for very cheap. Um, he's kind of made that a habit in the series. Um, he's Unfortunately, gone. because I, I think on this channel we've made it very clear that we rate Zim Hamid as a test match player. Yeah, we, we certainly do. He, he couldn't pick the, the, the scramble team or variation effectively right, um, for the yeah. start. Um, Crawley also got bowled, you know, looked pretty decent and then got bowled through the gate while driving. Um, but really, his dismissal, along with, um, you know, af after Milan got out of the green, um, there, was a, there was a sort of really fascinating period where England 
lost three for zero in 53 balls. Um, where literally it was like eight and a half maidens of pressure that was put before lunch um, on that day three. And I think a lot of that had to do with Scott Bowles. How is this man alive? <laughs> Not alive. How is this man allowed to, to exist in, in, in cricket? Just I mean, like, it's an on a philosophical start. level, Pratham. I'm just talking about philosophical levels. Not, not, not. Uh, is he a legitimate player or whatever? I'm just saying, this guy comes out of pretty much nowhere, yeah. Right, and then all of a sudden, turns into something of like, like, I don't even know the right word for it. It's just, it's mind-boggling. How good this guy is because remember we were talking about uh about this um like akshar patel comes out of yeah. nowhere right yeah, yeah. Get, and, has and, an average and of everyone's nine. like oh god this guy's uh he's, he's incredible he has an average of he has an econ- yeah he has an average of nine and it's incredible and he's just destroying lineups at home in india now india has is even more unbeatable at home and then all of a sudden out of nowhere this guy from this guy this this Victorian stalwart shows out of, shows up out of nowhere to play one basically as an like as an injury replacement. Yeah, an injury as a replacement. Backup to an injury replacement. Exactly, exactly. And then he takes six or seven. <laughs> he has an economy he, of eight after two test matches. Uh, he has a, he has an average of eight. Yeah. So yeah, 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 an average of eight, not an economy of eight. That, that would be a very different discussion. That would be a very different discussion indeed. But no, he's he's been incredible. It's actually interesting because you know. The, the MCG specialist tag was given, right? Like he, you know, the expectation was that if he was going to play, he was going to play the MCG because he's suited to the ground and conditions and so forth. And, and that was going to be basically it. He was going to get one test and then the big guns and his would, would come back yeah. and, and, and right Richardson maybe even was up the pecking order than him. But man, oh man, has he had an insane start to his career. Um, I understand it's not sustainable. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be allowed to, to, to continue. But it's just amazing to watch because I, I think the figures themselves, like this is very often on, on this channel, we've talked about how, how important um, context is. Yeah. Right? And that figures don't always show that kind of um, the real story and scope yeah. of how important an innings was or how good the ball was. Um, or how good the spell was, but in this case, I think they just do because he bowled fourteen point one overs to, uh, with six maidens uh, going for thirty six runs and took four wickets. Yeah, pretty pretty damn good stats, man. I, Probably could have taken a couple more as well. It's not as if it was like. Oh well, yeah, that's good. But no, he probably could have taken three or four more wickets. Yeah, you know, he was honestly, uh, honestly, he was. Um, I mean, Cummins and Lyons were, were having an off day, and, and and as such, he was probably the best bowler that was. Didn't he? he dragged them back into that match. Well, not back into it as much as into that match as a bowling unit. Performance here at the SCG really indicates there's a little bit more to him than just being that MCG specialist, right? Because yeah. there were definitely fans and analysts um, that sort of derided his six or seven performance as just being an anomaly against the yeah it's like oh well i mean that that, that never happens <laughs> yeah he just does it again and then to be fair it, it, it like he's not going to replicate that insane level of a performance again no, of six percent no, i right? mean and you're just not <laughs> but but there were people who thought he was a medium-paced sort of trundler who just fed off the pressure of you know the big guns of the attack right the cummins the starts you know the guys who bought 140 clicks and so forth right um and and that he was you know really 
it was a reflection of how poor England's batting was that they just collapsed and it could have happened anywhere else, right? But the thing I feel personally, right, is that Boland is a much more threatening bowler than he's being given credit for, right? Yeah. Yes, it is true that the English batting lineup is weak and probably have exaggerated his capabilities as a pacer, but he, the thing is, he just bowls around that fourth or fifth stump line at a pretty reasonable pace. Um, he, he bowls around 135 flicks, which is not really, you know... No, he's not slow by any means. No, he's not slow. He's he's, he's medium fast, fast medium, right? Not not particularly slow. Like um, prime Jimmy Anderson speed. That's... Yeah. Yeah, no, he... or I mean, he's pretty, pretty decent in that respect. He bowls with a really upright seam, right? Which allows him to... And in his case, he, he predominantly nips the ball back in and the variation is of seeming it away, right? But I think, Ron, what was so impressive to me, right, and what's probably his biggest asset as a bowler and what's made him such a handful in the series has actually had to do with his action because I slowed it down to take a look, right? But I was like, okay, what's going on here? Why is this guy getting six for seven? Why is he getting four for 36, you know? Um, and so when I did that, I actually found a couple of things that explain why he's such a persistently threatening system on wickets that offer him even a little bit, right? Um, and it has to do with his approach to the crease in part because he has a very loose-limbed approach. Um, mm-hmm. His arm is relaxed, slightly bent, uh, and his steps towards the point of the release are fairly unhurried. But then when he picks up the... When he when he's near the actual point of delivery, he picks up momentum really well. Um, his hips pivot significantly when delivering the ball. His wrist sort of snaps from that slightly bent nature at the last minute. And that combined with him gripping the ball fairly lightly throughout, um, it, it allows him to generate a lot of backspin on the ball, um, which is why he's able to generate that extra bit of bounce on deliveries yeah. in a way that a lot of commentators, you and me have probably heard this cliche a lot of the time, but the they say- heavy ball, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what they're talking about. And in the case of Bolin, those three factors really allow him to um, do that. And, and we saw and, and it. it right? also, and I also want to add this because when you have backspin, that ball sticks a little bit more. So yeah. it is harder to read the bounce. Exactly. And on and a pitch which has variable bounce like this one, you're threat that, that's it's not it's not fun to face that on any wicket. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, kudos to him. Um and, and they really, you know, England was staring a, down a massive <laughs> massive barrel after that three for zero spell, which he contributed yeah. two wickets to. Uh, when, you know, they were, what, four for 36, right? Um, but then they were rescued, really, by a, a century partnership between Ben Stokes and, and Johnny Bairstow. And, yeah, I mean, it was it was, it was was a remarkable, really, it was a remarkable performance from Johnny Bairstow because um, he's been buried by many, and I'll raise my hand, and you can raise yours as well, because we've been part of that crew. And yeah. sort of... <laughs> He said, you know, this guy is finished. He doesn't deserve a place in the England side. Um, and to some extent, I still sort of feel that. But this, in his international career, has definitely sprung back to life. Yeah. And I, I also think that this is an innings of emotional significance as yeah. much as it was for Matt's significance. Obviously, this is the anniversary of his um, father's death. Yeah. Um, if you don't know about that... Um, Please educate yourself on it. This is why Johnny Bairstow is... We will criticize Johnny Bairstow, the player, but we'll never criticize Johnny Bairstow, the person, unless he yeah. does something really, really bad on this channel. Yeah. Um, because it's very tragic. Um, and, yeah. it, it, and, you know, um, Bairstow 
obviously got abused by member by, by fans at the uh, members end going yeah. back in um i mean and you could see ben stokes was ready to, to <laughs> drop uh drop his gloves and go after these guys but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but but no I, I mean there was there's a lot of emotional turmoil in, in which the innings was played and um the the pressure from the media regarding his deserving his part on the side the the father his father's anniversary uh the the the, the once the anniversary of his father's death yeah his father's tragic uh death and then obviously the abuse from members and certain stands at the ground um it it all sort of concocted into sort of a almost challenge or taunt to Johnny Bairstow to sort of prove his point in metal at the international level and prove that and give him a point to prove right and and that's why Johnny Bairstow is the best as a player more often than a lot of other players in the lineup he has you know raised his, his hand, hand up and said I'll, I'll give it a the, the old college try as they say yeah um and and yeah i mean i'm, I'm not going to you know sit here and, and say that it was what i'd call a great innings right because there were no. there were mitigating circumstances you know Cummins lost the part in terms of having a consistent line length for the first time in the series yeah, Cummins probably bowled the worst i've seen the ball on tour which i mean insane that he's taken him now in the fourth test after being captain all that to produce finally a spell that wasn't good uh, but um no he he was a bit well, he lost the plot a little bit when Barrister was batting um so did Lyon um so you know it wasn't and then Bolin went off the field as well due to injury so it's not you know like um that was a little bit later in the match but the point being right like there was still you know there's definitely an extent yeah. where you know there are mitigating circumstances that don't make it great it's right but there's that emotional angst to try to prove um It, it, and I, I will also mention this before before I talk about the other thing that really impressed me now from a cricketing perspective, more so from the, the familial perspective side of things. Um, David Barstow, who was Johnny's father, um, was a was a very scrappy um, sort of fi- fighting wicketkeeper bat, um, and he reserved his best when the team was in trouble. He wasn't necessarily the most gifted at the international level, but he was he was again somebody who had a lot of courage and heart. Um, and so i think in a way johnny probably wants to honor his dad's sort of in the fact in the figure in the fact yes spirit, you know spirit yeah. thanks Ron, um in that sense so I, i think in that respect it was really um good to see but then the other thing that was really good to see now from a cricketing perspective was how he took on nathan Lyon, right because this entire series this entire ashes series the english batsman have basically cowered in the face of Nathan Lyon uh, or been unsure in their approach right you've had guys like Pope who just got really antsy at the really pace just got, yeah just look completely flummoxed or you guys got like got guys like Butler who have just tried to defend them purely on the back foot and just try to fend off and survive right and neither approach is going to be successful or sustainable in the long run what you do need no. to do is you need I mean, to be, he is the second best spinner in the world he knows what you're going to do to him <laughs> yeah and he can bowl on a consistent line and length usually uh, well enough to you know get your wicket in the end right and he gets that overspin so he will confound you with a bounce sometimes so the only way that you're going to really really you know make sure that he doesn't you know get you right is that you have to put the pressure back on him a little yeah. bit, right and and that's what Johnny did now I, i again i don't think that his approach was ideal he was a little bit too reliant on the sweep shot um and and Lyon did bowl with a little bit less zip in that first innings but yeah what i liked about him is he was like you know what i'm going to 
play percentage shots. I know where the when the fielders are not, um, you know, in near yeah. deep mid wicket and so forth. I'm gonna slog sweep, right? Yeah, and I'll, I'll chance my arm. And if I if I get out, I get out. But if I don't, well, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to get me out one way or the other. Yeah, and 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 it was critical too because Stokes was alongside him, and Stokes now Stokes did a bit more conventionally, right? Uh, did it a bit more conventionally, attacking line. He went down, charged on the wicket, you know hit him for cover, extra cover, yeah. long on and so forth. But they changed the momentum uh, of the series in a bit when it comes to England versus Australia's bowling lineup. Because one of the reasons why Australia's bowling lineup has been so effective, an underrated reason, has been down to the fact that England know that Lion can hold up an end and he can create pressure on one end. And, and Australia are comfortable in rotating that quick because they know that they don't have to worry about it, right? With Lion being attacked, suddenly it's forcing him to sort of change his line and length to try to adjust for that, right? Um, he's looking a little bit too close and giving the rest of the paces more of a workload that they have to move through. And suddenly the equation's different, right? Um, yeah. Especially from a match like Adelaide where Lion was able to hold up that end and basically, you know, um, allow the seamless to rotate and bowl Australia to a victory, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought it was very good from him. I think Stokes, the other thing I liked about Stokes in that partnership um, was that he really did um, stop fidgeting against the Pacers. You know, there was a lot yeah. of, in the previous matches, there was a lot of times where he was, you know, really going, like, you know, hopping he, around. He says that he was in two minds as to whether what he was going to do and yeah. ended up in neither mind and out. Yeah, like the green dismissal from the the last match was a really good example. But this time he looked really confident. He smashed them uh, every time the ball uh, slightly short. You know, just looked really good. And then the best part of the match, I've, I've got blade of justice. Markwood, man, take a bow. Markwood, Markwood, the blade of justice, absolutely spanking Cummins, who was probably the best bowler in the world at this point. Best bowler. It's, it's, yeah, it's just, between him and uh, it's between him, KG, and. Incredible, incredible to watch. Uh, I, it was just, I'll just but, sum it up. Mark Wood doing this to him and Washington Sundar doing this to him, <laughs> he must be feeling rather irritated at like number eight, number eights just coming and just hitting him. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it was fun to watch, man. It was fun, and, and that's all I'll say. It was, it was too much fun, and it, it capped a day of, of finally some sort of promise for England, right? Yeah. Um, in an entire swath of disappointments. They were bowled out, right? In the end, for 100 They almost runs. got to 300 problem, and that is worth celebrating, because... Yeah. They haven't <laughs> no, got, it's not, because, they you haven't know, got... England need to get to 300 to actually, you know, win a test match? They do, they do, but I think at this point, England fans will settle for being close to 300 as opposed to 67 all up, which was their previous. <laughs> so, uh, or 68 all up. But point being, right, um, they showed some fight, but they were still behind the game. Um, and it was up to Australia to really, you know, sort of drive home the advantage that they had into a winning. Um, I think we were talking about maybe Australia needs to get 200, 250 runs on the board. Oh yeah. Oh, in addition to that, 130 odd lead that gives them 375. England haven't gotten 300 in the series period, so it's very unlikely they're going to get it in the fourth innings of this match. So yeah, I think I think that was a fair target. Um, and a huge reason why 
Australia looked on track for being able to set that target and ended up going beyond it, in fact, was Usman Khwaja, who followed his first 100 with a much quicker one in the second. Now, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, this was a little bit more of a more fluent and, and more beautiful yeah. innings to watch, stroke play-wise. He, um, he just decided that he was going to go and... I mean, he only got a century. At this yeah. point, you're just playing for... You, you're just playing for, for the fun at that point. You've already done your job. Yeah, he, he did He did take a, a special liking to donking <laughs> Root and Leach to some extent, right? That was, that was kind you're of nice. You're Milan. Yeah, David, yeah, David Milan also. David Milan. Yeah, David Milan ran up to bowl his like little ambly leggies and, and just got spanked. It was it was hilarious to watch. I'm not gonna lie. Um, but no, I I, I will say you, now that you brought up the three spinners, right? Um, that's the thing that's actually impressed me the most about Quadra when in his return to the side because um, he that's is, been his weakness. Yes, easily, specifically easily. spin. It's not it, he he doesn't struggle too much with the swinging ball. I mean, he averages like 90 as an opener. So, yeah, I mean, he he, he like he he does struggle against lateral movement of, of most kinds, but he's more comfortable against pacers doing it yeah. than spinners, right? Spinners, he really yeah, that's had that's, a, what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. Swing is more like he, he doesn't struggle as much but yeah. against like Ashwin, like in like 2019, I think 2018. Yeah, yeah. The, the previous Borogavaska Trophy, yeah. he basically just threw a nothing ball out. The, Tossed a nothing ball out there, and Quadra immediately scooped him up for for an easy catch at like, um, at like cover. Yeah, yeah. A short cover. It's like, yeah. I mean, he several spinners have had causing problems. Like Graham Swan initially in his career yeah. did it when he went to England in 2013, and they produced some toning pitches for Swan to bowl them out on. Um, you know, when he went to subcontinent, Harath troubled him. Pereira, um, you know, he he's not had a good record um, with one UAE innings where the pitch didn't deteriorate as much. Withstanding, yeah, and, but and again, that was a class in it, yeah. But then but, he immediately, the next series, <laughs> chips one yeah. right off of Ashwin doing nothing, yeah. So, long story short, he has struggled against the ball that's spun. But what I like about him since he's returned to the side, uh, and at least from evidence what we've seen in this innings, he's opened his stance up uh, to the spinners, yeah. and that's actually allowed him to get into better positions, both attacking and defending them. Um, uh, and especially against when the ball is turning away from him, like brute and so forth. And and the other thing that's really helped him out against spinners, right? Um, and, and allowed him to be much more aggressive um, has been the balance that he had, he's had when playing the reverse sweep. Now he did this in the UAE innings that we were referring to earlier, but it's improved even further to the point where his head appears absolutely still when he's playing that shot. Sometimes it would veer a little bit. It wouldn't be quite in. in terms of balance be aligned um, I, I also think that one other thing that he's done really well is that he doesn't play the reverse sweep or the sw- or the conventional sweep nearly as much as he used to yeah he doesn't he, because he had a really good reverse sweep and sweep but he was almost over reliant on it and yeah he didn't tr- it, it felt like he didn't trust his footwork enough to to deal with the spinner um but now yes he scored a lot of off those reverse sweep but he almost you could see it that he wasn't he wasn't going to allow Leach in particular who was mighty in that in, in the second innings um, to control the match as much yeah. and by it, and, forcing him to, to play those high risk high reward shots exactly and and he did that in part by also rotating strike slightly but more he's now he's not great at that still against spinners but he he showed some improvements in that part so all all in all it's nice to see him go back to domestic, correct some of his 
you know, actually correct, correct some of his flaws and look a better player in those respects at least, right? And it, it was an important innings, right? Because the innings at large, the second hundred he got, got it in really quick time, got it with like 70 strike rate, if I recall. And by 73. 73, right? Something really quick like that. But yeah. he was basically able to keep the runs ticking and they were able to rapidly score those runs so that the declaration could occur with enough time in the bank to bowl England out. Um, that Cummins could get that sort of extra time to do that. That was thanks to Quadra scoring at that break. I will say, um, Quadra was troubled a little bit, um, and some of the other England batsmen were also, I mean, the Australian batsmen were troubled a little bit by Wood. Sort of breathed yeah. fire again. He was fast. In that third and innings. Yeah. Until, until he injured his knee. Yeah, and then after that, he, he sort of lost the plot, pulled a little bit slower, bowled some half-trackers, got dispatched yeah. by Quad. I mean, you can understand that when his entire knee area was just covered in blood, and you're just like, okay, fair enough. Nope, that, that's perfectly understandable. <laughs> yeah, but before You don't want to put that, weight on that. <laughs> but, but, but before that, right, I, I thought Wood um, bowled a really threatening and canny spell in that second innings to sort of... He, he got David Warren with a 90-mile-per-hour bullet. Yeah, a 91 mile per hour play. I still remember, but but I, I you, it's good you brought that up because I I love a lot of people think that Wood, you know, just because of the pace, right? Um, he gets wickets, right? Um, and and that oh, he doesn't really swing or move the ball that much, so it's really just the pace and you know him being that skiddy guy who can still get a little bit of bounce. That that that's what's giving him the wickets. There's not he's not a particularly crafty or thinking ball, right? Which I don't tend to agree with and I think no. the Warner dismissal was very good to illustrate that because um, in the vault yes, in the was very fast yes. but he set him up perfectly and got his man in that over right uh, leading up to the dismissal of Warner yeah. he bowls he starts from coming around the wicket two deliveries right um, a relatively straight line same close to the stumps it's, it's a little bit short but he's, he's getting it around that but he gets clipped for some runs then he comes over the wicket uh, for the next ball and bowls close to the stumps and a back of a length from wide of a crease, right? And what a defensive. And then the next ball is, it's only slight, but um, he delivers it slightly wider from the crease, right? Almost near the popping crease um, and bowls it a little bit wider. So what that do- that has done to Warner is that he's seen three straight balls. He now sees one that's ball that's been delivered well wide from the crease. So the assumption is, oh, this ball is going to go well wide away from me, right? And it might be a bit of a loose delivery, so I can, you know, go after it. And the pressure has yeah. been sort of set up in that sense. So it's a really good. It, it it suckered him into the shot, right? And so he might. It's true. He might not be that big of a mover of the ball, even off the seam or in the air. But he's making those sort of subtle adjustments, whether intentional or unintentional, that are making him more, a more threatening bowler than people would give yeah. him credit for. And I think another player that sort of need, needed a lot, uh, showed why he's a quality player in this tour, um, despite everyone slating him throughout the entire tour, was Jack Leach. Yeah. Um, he finally got I, a I mean, team. Pat, Cam- uh, Pat Cummins is a coward for not padding up and going out there to just face one. He just had to face one delivery, man. Yeah, they denied they denied Leach of a hat trick, which he was probably not going to get. But damn it, the symbolism matters. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but no, my, my point is um, Jack Leach showed really what he could do if you give him an attacking field. Yes. England finally caved to, to the pressure of the entire cricketing world, it seems, and gave Jack Leach an attacking field 
Yeah, they had somebody um, like near a like a short cover. They, they gave thing. him a bat pad first, like in, in the first few overs. Yeah, well. and then later on they gave him a short cover and that helped him out because the line again Leach was trying to pull he was pulling around the middle and off the off stump so what that yeah. did um, really he actually started bowling a little bit wide in that fourth stump but the point being if they wanted to cover drive him right uh, from that line um, then the short cover sort of made them a little bit more hesitant to it and that's where Leach is really good because what Leach is really good at and he showed this in the subcontinent is that arm ball that he bowls which comes skids onto the the you know the, the pads and so forth, and so uh, he he ended up becoming a much more threatening prospect in part because that fielder was set that sort of created the doubt in the batsman's mind that made them yeah. less comfortable to play the shot they would normally associate playing in that situation. And I also want to give one sh- quick shout out here, uh, 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 Josh Butler broke his broke his hand uh, earlier in this match, so was unable to keep. Ollie Pope comes in and did a really good job deputizing. Um, and, uh, he took, um, he, he caught four, he caught four batsmen out uh, behind. So, you know. Yeah, no, and I, while, I actually, And a couple of those were pretty damn good catches to take. Yeah, I Low was. Low and skidding and turning kind of deliveries. But, you know, credit to him. Yeah. Uh, for I was surprised. stepping in in a difficult situation for the team and doing a pretty good job. Yeah, I, I was definitely surprised by it, and I thought he, um, yeah, I, I, he looked he looked much better than I anticipated for a temporary wicketkeeper, and, and did a really good really wicketkeeper on short notice as well. Yeah, yeah, but um, you know, despite all those English uh, sort of performances, you you had that innings from Paja, and then combined with a, a rollicking sort of 60, 70 odd uh, from Green, yeah, 74. 74, yeah, from Green, um, you. Australia were able to get the target they wanted or anticipated or needed to declare um, the 400 on the board that they anticipated would be enough uh, to drive home the win. Um, And really, they they left England a target, essentially. um, 388, yeah. yeah. Which which is chaseable. It is, it is. But, I mean, for a team that's never... That hasn't scored over three hundred in this in this tour. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't going to be chaseable. No. Um, but I will say, one player seemed to be of a different opinion regarding that, and almost showed that. He... Yeah, I made I made the joke earlier in this match uh, when we were talking about this. Zach Raleigh's dad has spent thousands of pounds trying to turn his son, uh, make his son equally shit everywhere in the world. <laughs> Yeah, but um, he but he, showed... he showed that he was like actually good, and it was weird because he was all like people were, were commenting um, on ESPN Crick Info. Um, shout out to Crick Info. Uh, they, they they were commenting it's almost Kevin Peterson esque in some of the shots that he was playing, and I was like, yeah, fair. That's a fair description. Yeah, I mean, you watched him bat in that innings, and you're... like the contempt he had for some of these guys. No, it was it was it was really it was really the most imposing. We were talking about you know a need to impose yourself on the opposition. That was probably the most imposing innings of the match, even more so than Johnny Bairstow's hundred. Or Usman Khaja's hundreds. Yeah, because because of how the, the three factors really made it so impressive, right? Um, he on drove with a measure of authority, right, off the paces. He clipped them off the pads every time they were pitched, right. But it was it was really the fact that more so than even his front foot stroke, right? 
It was the absence of strokes on the front foot at times, and conversely, the presence of strokes on the back foot that that was that really showed him, like, for the first time in this series, that he was a really high-quality prospect in the offense. And specifically regarding the absence of strokes on the front foot that I was talking about, it was sort of like such a Tendulkar in that on this ground 18 years ago, 2003, 2004, when he had an issue of like trying to make outside off stump drive cover driving stuff. And, and Crawley was sim- in a similar boat because he actually showed a lot of respectable restraint, right? He refrained from covering, cover driving the ball when it was pitched up outside of Austin largely throughout the innings. Um, yeah. And he loves playing that shot. So it, it is, it was really, it, it showed temperamentally that this guy has the patience, if required, to play a long innings or an important innings for his side. But then, and in doing it in the midst of a match where you made that mistake, right? Because he, he tried to cover drive and he would bowl through the gate, right? It's it's really worth praising. But probably what was even more remarkable was the way that he handled Stark and Cummins, right? You you mentioned the KP thing, right? Of how how yeah. he, his shots had an air of like dismissal. This this arrogance that is again very typically English, where it's just like this guy's yeah. not not isn't is, is, is anything. Yeah, and, uh, this guy he's putting the ball here. I'll put it over on. Uh, the deep mid wicket or down to cow corner. I don't care. Who does yeah. this guy think he is? Yeah, but but it, it and it, it you you mentioned it's, it's, the... it's like Gower and Peterson when they're just like, oh, man, what is this guy doing? I'm just gonna put that ball there and put this ball there. And... Yeah, I mean, you 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 bring up the Gower and Peterson comparisons, but what it really reminded me was um, Michael Vaughn when he came here in 2000 2003 because oh, yeah, yeah. what he did was he ended up pulling deliveries that were like really foolish right um like mcgraw would bowl a natural and gillespie would bowl as then um bowl deliveries that were you know just short of a length or even good length right and he hadn't found a way to pull them off those deliveries so it, it forced them to compensate either by over pitching or bowling a little shorter to adjust their length and that really troubled them and that's what Crawley did today right yeah. I, i've always made the comparison from Crawley to michael one because they, they play very stylistically they're very similar hopefully not the same kind of person off the field though um yeah but but regarding on the field stuff right um yeah. it you saw that today with uh crawley right because there were deliveries that were bouncing at waist high or even below right where cummins and stark were just they were just trying to pitch natural deliveries or bowling slightly short of a left um and he absolutely hammered them for the fence right with just a swivel pull, just so effortless, right? And so that forced them, like it did for Gillespie and McGraw, to adjust his length, uh, and and that they were comfortable bowling with. And then it created more scoring opportunities for. Them. And honestly, it's a fabulous tactic that more taller batsmen in the English setup, apart from probably, really should be exploring. Um, and and yeah, he did in the end get a Jaffa of Yorker to dismiss him from green. Um, <laughs> wasn't and, and play completely around it too so it's yeah but but point being right he's shown yeah. enough to invest in him as a long-term opener. Yeah. after he was dismissed though right um you england were in a little bit of a spot of a bother they lost a couple of cheap wickets but then johnny and and stokes once again came to the fore um johnny scoring 40 yard um and then stokes as well scoring about 60 yard and really yeah. going into that final session right um a final day, right? Um, they had only lost four wickets, England, um, and so Australia needed six wickets in that final session. England would have looked a little bit more confident about having fixed up a, a draw, right? Having saved this match. 
but the fact that they weren't so confident about saving the match 15 hours later really came down to concentrate because my god he bowled a really stupendous spell right yeah. um and it, it was a very again a very clever spell of both because he he noticed that there was some rough um the you know the pitch was dry it was hot um the ball had started scuffing a little bit um and he was able to utilize that rough on the kookaburra ball on one side to reverse the ball and get some massive in swing right to the right handers with the odd one tailing in at the last moment and that's how you got that absolute rip snort of delivery to Markwood, that Yorker, which, you know, was bold at this, the variation. And, and after an indifferent performance was showing in the first inning, really, it, it, he made up for it. Yeah. Sort of the last sort of bookend to, to this match. Jack Leach bats for... Um, was it like 70 minutes? minutes yeah, with yeah. Stuart, uh, along with Stuart Broad batting for 45 minutes um, to save the match. Um obviously he gets up but he gets him to, to within sight where it's just like okay all uh, all Jimmy Anderson needs to do is survive one over if he survives one over England have drawn the match yeah I, I will say that you know it was a very exciting finish in the end um, partially because of Leach's you know resilience to the bat and, and Broad's as well but it also sort of ended in an anticlimactic way right because Anderson Broad had the last two overs that they needed to block out to you know uh, with men crowding around them in the bat so they needed to survive that that classic test cricket the, the, the thing that only happens ever in test cricket where they have like eight men around the wicket <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was, you have I mean, one poor guy whose job it is to just chase the ball deep yeah, it was, it was very exciting to watch, don't get me wrong. But I think this is where Cummins declared it maybe a little bit too late in the sense that he didn't, you know, do it after Quadra scored a century, uh, yeah. but only after Kerry went out. Because well, along with the raid, right, um, when the match approached that sort of dying moment, right, the light got a bit worse, the overrate needed to be fulfilled. Um, the, it, it sort of forced his hand a bit because umpires basically came up and said, look, um, you, you need to get the overs in before the light goes. Uh, you're going to need to bowl um, if you want spinners. Your spinners at the end, right? And so we had a funny situation where we saw two of Australia's best batsmen, Labuschagne and Smith, the leggies, the part-time leggies, bowl to two of England's most prestigious bowlers in this lineup, Anderson and Broad, uh, who were batting, right? Um, and so they held out to it, right? Um, but and, hey, Steve Smith's got a wicket, but. Uh... Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it was a little bit disappointing that Cummins couldn't really deploy his best resources to enforce the win. But hey, I mean, that's that's what happens when in cricket sometimes. But yeah, and you know, I think that's that's the that's the great glory of Test cricket. Yeah. Aside sometimes can... it comes down to a part timer having to roll his arm over for a few <laughs> overs because the light is bad, and you need to try and win this match by taking one wicket, and you need just some sort of luck. Yeah. And, and sometimes, and, and sometimes, you can outplay a side for five days of a test match and still and not win. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I thought it was a great match overall, um, and it actually sets the stage. Even though the series is gone, right, it's, it's a rubber. Yeah. It actually sets the stage up really nicely for the next test in Hobart, right? Because yeah. um, both of these teams are going to have to make some decisions regarding that. I'd say, from my perspective, you know, just looking for ahead, right. Um, there's nothing really to lose at this point for England. But, you know, they 
they've already lost the series 3-0. Um, they've had to bowl a lot of overs in this match, um, and that fast bowlers in general have had to bowl a lot of overs. I know they've rotated them, but still there's some who have had to bowl a lot, like Anderson, who's bowled three on the chart, um, tests, and so forth. It yeah. might be a good idea to just bring in, you know, uh, your Robinsons. Your it might be a good idea to bring in your best bowler that I've seen in the, the, the series Robinson in. But apart from it, maybe Overton gets a go because he offers something different. The height, the 6'8", um, sort of bounce, you know, a little bit different. And then for Australia, I think the the, the key takeaway is... Um, you know, Find some way to get Usman Khawaja into the 11 diamond. <laughs> <laughs> One other sort of change in the squad, I think that Scott Bowen might come out if Josh Azul is fit. That's um, true. You know, and, and on one hand, that sucks because Scott Boland has deserved his opportunity. Yeah, the guy literally averages, what, eight in Test Match yeah. cricket. Like, I think that's, but he's that's, also not Josh Hazel. Yeah, that's true. Like, he, he, he isn't the, the 25, 24 averaging bowler that Josh Hazel would be. He's more of like, the, in the long term, a 28, 29 averaging bowler. Right? Yeah. So, you know, it, it is fair to say that he might get... Um, then again, he could also just be... You could be Akshar Patel and just average under 10 because he's, he's, he's a weird amalgamation of... I don't know how this works and I don't know how you do this, but you work. Yeah, and, and also the other factor is that um, his record at Hobart is not... Yeah. Oh, been that great in, in FC. Now, obviously, FC and international because they're two different things, but still, it, it gives credence to the idea that maybe you, if Hazelwood is fit, he comes back. Yeah, if Hazelwood right. or Richardson are fit, give them the chance to, to bowl in those yeah. conditions. But, but yeah, I mean, it sets up, you know, the, it, it, irregardless of what happens, right, it, it will set up a really nice uh, conclusion of the series, especially because um, this is going to be Hobart's first time to post an Ashes test, right? Um, they are a relatively new ground. It's a really proud moment for them. Shame Pimp Payne's not to, to, to play in it, but... Yeah, yeah, but but there are Tazzies in the crowd, you know, like your, your, your David Boones, you know, icons of Tasmanian cricket who were really, Ricky Ponding even, right, would be really yeah. glad to see them. And um, it is a day-nighter, so you do have a little, some interesting stuff that will happen during that twilight session. You don't know how this match is going to turn out, is I think what we're, we're going for here. Yeah. Uh, because... Yeah, pretty much. Everything and, and, about this this match is is going to be different, because obviously it's a day-nighter, as you said, but also it's Hobart, so there's only there's one of two wickets that's going to happen. Yeah, it's either going to be a slow Neither seamer. Neither of which may, may work in England's favor. Yeah, it's either going to be a slow seamer, or it's going to be a dry flat and low pitch because that's usually what Hobart produces uh, either yeah. one of those two so either ways it's just going to be a really fascinating fascinating surface um, that, that's going to be probably prepared up there um, and we'll yeah. stay tuned and watch it um, so you stay tuned and watch us <laughs> yeah. give our comments about it um, and yeah guys we'll uh, take your leave um, it's been great chatting throwing getting same to see you as well and you know yeah. Yeah. It's been oh. fun. <laughs> it is, it is, man. Um, and I hope to have as much fun when we cover the foot. So, yeah, yeah on that note, guys, sign off. Um, take care. See you.